0: I think about the next 10 years of marketing, I think it's gonna be harder and harder to connect and reach people who don't wanna hear from you. And so your only option is gonna be able to create value and actually drive real engagement. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, so in this episode, you'll be hearing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from past conferences. Here we go. What I wanted to talk with you all about today is basically this inbound marketing thing in HubSpot. We've been cranking at it for about 10 years now, and we've learned a lot of stuff along the way. So I'll talk to you a little bit about some of the basics, foundational stuff of of inbound, but also talk a little bit of, I think, forward-looking, where we think things are going What's actually working? What are some good examples of stuff that companies are doing well? And I'll try to do that all with you guys over the next 25 minutes or so. The interesting thing that hasn't changed over the past 10 years is, I would actually argue, the way it's changed is trust has become far more important. Uh, You know, I think in a world where... Marketing automation has become far more prevalent. Account-based marketing is growing. You know, it's like I can go in and I can get like my four coffee cups a week from the people who have sent them to me via direct mail. It's like, who do I know how to trust them? Like, that's a very valuable touch point. But I see inbound and creating like a value-based demand funnel as a really great lead-in for what the folks at Terminus uh, are doing. And so when I think about that, I think about like how are marketers doing on the trust scale. So earlier this year, we did a study. We have an awesome woman who is an analyst on our team who does research full time for us. And we did a little bit of like, who are the most trusted professionals in North America? We did this globally, but this is the North American data. And it's pretty bad. The worst thing about this to me is that the salespeople beat the marketers. The sales uh, Jill's like, wow, we won. Salespeople, yeah, no, the salespeople beat the marketers. The best thing about this is if you look at the geographic cuts, the lowest person in Latin America is a barista, which I'm like, man, you guys are really like hating on your coffee. But in the U.S., the other thing is like, we couldn't even get one percent as marketers. Like, we couldn't even get one percent. We couldn't even get a decimal high enough to round up to one percent. We we just had to get a zero. And so I think that is indicative of the landscape today. It's interesting. And then. I would argue your next logical question is like, why, why don't they love us? Why don't they trust us? And I think the fact is we've done a lot of bad things. We do this. We give them literally the worst page on the internet, right? Like there's nobody in this room that is not like, I freaking hate that page, the Forbes interstitial ad, it's like, if I have to see that 20-second countdown anymore, I'm going like, to lose it on somebody, right? And so no wonder we offend them. You know, we give them like, really offensive calls to action. Like This is an exceptionally good one. And I like the passive-aggressive. like, no thanks, I like my marketing poopy. It's like, <laughs> like you're going to force me to click that link to get rid of your pop-up. Really? Man, like, what did we do to people? Uh, the best is, like, this is an actual shot of my inbox which is fascinating. And the best part about this is I've just not unsubscribed to see how long this would persist. And this is, continues to persist every seven days, basically in perpetuity. It's like the exact same person sending me the exact same email over and over and over again on the sales side of things, which is, I don't know, really, really frustrating. And at some point I was like, oh, maybe they'll just figure out I'm not interested and maybe I won't have to unsubscribe. Unfortunately, that is not the case. I also get really great emails like this basically every hour. I feel like my email address is in the hands of every marketing and salesperson in the world at this point. And so I've just come to embrace that, you know. So, hi, my name's Olivia. I'm an online strategist. Okay, I've got something's happening there. Are you interested in several of our proven strategies for content and social media? I'm like, Olivia, this is my job. I got to know this. I don't know that I, I want your help on this one. And the best part is that it's from Phil senior web design developer, right? Like this is, I get these all the time. I don't know. I, I, I'm seeing some nods. So like you guys clearly get these all the time as well. And it's just like, man, could we put a little bit more effort and think about creating a little bit more value in the world? And I think what's interesting is back in the nineties, there was a proposal to basically put a satellite into orbit around earth. That was a billboard. And our Congress, who can't agree on anything, like agreed to ban this idea and ban marketing from outer space because we couldn't be trusted, which is, uh, you know, to me, like the ultimate insult in, in a lot of ways. And when I think about kind of how we've gotten here. We've gotten here because, we, I don't know, a lot of us, I feel like, have overcomplicated the work that we're doing. We've built these really complex flows. and We've done, we've tried to rest on sophistication and the sophistication of the marketing we do instead of the value that we're actually creating for the person that we're actually trying to educate and get on board in our companies. And so I like, give us credit. We do them for a good reason. We do these things because we'd like to make some money. And they work sometimes. You know, like cold calling does work. Like, you can call a hundred people and one or two of them is actually going to pick up. Again, the problem with that is that like the rest of the folks really dislike you, that you alienate so much. like It has gotten to the point where on my cell phone, unless you are my wife or my parents, I don't pick it up. I don't pick it up. At this point, I've I've made it my one-man mission in life to be the least sellable human being on earth. Um, That is what I've decided to do. And it's unfortunate that I've had to do that because of stuff like this, unfortunately. So I would argue that marketers to be trusted, we should do stuff a little better. We should do some good stuff. But even if you were, just didn't care about doing good in the world, and you're like, I just want to make some money, man. I don't care. Don't lecture me on this shit. Like, What I would argue is that doing marketing well and creating value actually is the most effective way to drive results. So if you use personalized web experiences, customized email, you get better results. Personalized web experiences, 20% increase in sales. Relevant emails, like relevant emails are not Olivia and Phil, and they're not mass spam emails. They're like opt-in, personalized, good emails, both on marketing and sales. They drive 18 times more revenue. And what's interesting about this one is that 61% of customers say they feel better about a company that delivers custom content. They're more likely to buy from that company. And I think it's because, hey, they're actually trying. That company is actually acknowledging that I'm different. And then I have specific use cases. So I think, I think that's interesting. And it turns out you just can't automate shitty and bad marketing. And I feel like that's what a lot of the world has done, unfortunately, over the past decade. We've used and leveraged a lot of technology to just take what we were doing and basically do it more efficiently. I would actually argue in the forward-looking standpoint that it won't be possible in the future. That a lot of what we do today won't be possible. And the reason I think this is true is because we had home addresses... And what we did with home addresses, we sent a bunch of junk mail to everybody's house as marketers. That worked for a while. And then we're like, man, the phone. I can cold call. I can interrupt everybody's dinner. I can make a lot of money cold calling people. That worked for a while, both home and business. And then the email came along. It's was like, man, this is great. I can send super low cost email and spam a bunch of people. And that'll be awesome. But going forward, that's not going to be possible. I don't know. I think about where I spend all of my time now. I spend a lot of my time on Slack, on Facebook Messenger, on Snapchat. I know more and more salespeople, I think, are using Snapchat, right? Like, Jill's uh, smiling at me. And you can't buy access. Like, you can't buy the right to, like, spam me on Facebook Messenger. You can't buy the right to send me a private message on Slack. That's a non-transferable thing. And so we're going to move to a model where a lot of the marketing tactics that have worked in the future, quite frankly, society is evolving past. Blocker is, Adblocker has a billion and a half installs, 500 million active users, doing really interesting stuff. And the younger demographic, they just don't care about advertising anymore. They'll just abandon an av- a website if the advertising is too obtrusive. Consumers are skipping ads. Like, I think we know a lot of this information. We're all using these services. How many people here don't have cable? Okay. It's a good, like, 20% of the room. That's interesting. And I think that's only going to happen. And if you're like me and you do have cable, I still have cable. Basically, only have cable to watch the Boston Red Sox because MLB TV blacks out the Red Sox feed when you're in Boston. So I essentially have to have New England Sports Network to watch my Red Sox games. Then you're what people call ad acceptors. I don't know, we've always thought about them. I've always thought about them as ad zombies. because when I think about it, if the Red Sox game is on and it goes to commercial, I am not watching one of those terrible regional furniture company ads. Instead, I'm gonna like go change my son's diaper or maybe I'm gonna go make a sandwich. i'm gonna I'm not gonna pay attention to those things. So I would argue that we, even though we've made a bunch of progress in the past ten years, there's still a lot of change that we actually have to make. And I think as marketers, we're still, more focused on the results we want than the value that we're creating for folks. And so this has long been kind of the inbound methodology for folks who aren't familiar with it. I know a lot of the folks I think are in this room. But it's really, I don't know, if you look at all the data, you look at the trustworthiness, I still don't think we're doing a good job being buyer centric. We're just not. And when I think about how to do that, I think we want to do that across the, the three core parts of the sales and marketing process. These are the problems that every company has. If I think about a lot of the account-based marketing stuff, that's normally a bottom of the funnel function that kind of sits right in between that sales and marketing line. But I want to talk a little bit about how I would think about this stuff going forward. A we'll little slide format issue there. But content and distribution, you hear a bunch about content marketing. It's still a very popular Discipline, content, you know, works really well for us at HubSpot. It's really effective for our customers. But distribution is really where you get the leverage. And distribution is changing a lot. This is another one of those forward-looking things. What was interesting, in BuzzFeed's new front a few months ago, they announced that they went from 2.8 billion monthly views to 7 billion monthly views in a year. That's real growth. That's cranking. What's interesting about that is that 75% of those 7 billion happened off BuzzFeed.com. They're doing an amazing amount of attention on Snapchat, on Facebook video, and their own mobile app. 75% of their audience consumes their stuff through those three channels, not their core website. And I think as marketers... Largely, that model is going to persist for a while, and you're going to have, with things continuing to grow, like podcasting finally kind of having its day in the sun, medium as a content network growing, there's a lot of channels regardless of your industry, regardless of who you're serving, where the offsite content is becoming a bigger, bigger part of where we're going in the future, which I think is going to be pretty germane to everything that we're doing here. The other thing about content is that most marketers don't know what success looks like. Over half of marketers just like, I don't know what success looks like with my content marketing. I think there are some companies doing a really great job. I just want to point out why I think they're doing a good job. So I think Shopify up in Canada are doing really, really well on the content side of things and on the distribution of their content. If you look at Shopify, what I love is that they have just a great diversity of content for their entire buying funnel. They've got success stories. They've got their encyclopedia of e-commerce terms. But they also have really in-depth guides around e-commerce, around improving your transactions and being a better e-commerce merchant. I think they've done a really, really great job with that. And I think Square, for all of the hell Jack Dorsey gets for being a two-company CEO, has done a really nice job in how they've tried to educate small business owners. You know, I think they have done a fascinating job of creating the right content hub to address everything that small business owners need and not to be over obsessed just on the payment space and just in converting uh, small businesses to their payment portals. They've done a good job from a designs perspective to really make content accessible. One of the things that I think about over the last 10 years is there are things that I thought were really gonna happen that haven't happened. And one of the things to me that haven't happened is we've still failed to incorporate a lot of free tools and assessment and diagnostic tools into the marketing and sales process. You know, this is a great calculator if you're evaluating solar. It's an industry where I think free tools to evaluate kind of return on energy is working really well. This is a little bit more to higher up the funnel. But more broadly, I think there's a tool and assessment device that can happen in any part of the process, especially as part of your account-based marketing activity. So I think free tools have just been really, really overlooked. And again, these things actually are driving value. They're actually helpful in the marketplace, which is really cool. The other thing that is happening is like a lot of you guys have probably done a lot of content marketing and you've created some blog posts, you've done email, you've done some interesting things. What's interesting is you need to figure out how you're going to get the leverage from that stuff over time. So this is an example of one blog post we wrote from December 2013 to December 2015, and kind of all the traffic and attention it's got over time. Most of that's from organic search, as you would expect, as people discovering it. And so it's like, oh, why did that happen? Well, because we wrote a blog post about press releases, and it turns out it ranks really highly in Google for press releases. This is not news to, I don't think, most folks in this room. Ranks really high for how to write a press release. A lot of search volume there. And we've got a ton of leverage from that. And I think the biggest challenge for me in explaining inbound to people, is like, oh, oh, my results get better over time. But my effort is actually consistent. The thing that worries me most about marketers, regardless of what type of marketing you're doing, what your strategy is, is that you get on the marketing hamster wheel, right? Where every month or every quarter, you are running, running, running to get your campaigns out the door to do whatever it is you're doing and actually see some type of result. And my job is to help people understand that there is leverage out in the world that you can get to make it so that you don't have to run as hard and maybe someday you can actually get off the hamster wheel, Because it's a really, really exhausting place to be. So if you do those things, you're going to drive more awareness for the business. You think about your content, your distribution. Think about more off-site content and distribution in the future. A little bit about conversion. Uh, We could do a whole talk on conversion rate optimization. I think what's interesting to me, and I'm going to skip over a couple things here, is I'm redoing my house. I'm a stupid person. I have a nine-month-old son, and I am uh, going to do a gut remodel of my home. I'm basically a masochist, I've decided. And so I needed to go shopping for appliances. And if you live in Boston, it turns out there's actually one real appliance store in Boston, which is Yale Appliance. I had no idea about that. I did some online research. I found Yale. I read their buying guide because like, oh, I kind of have directionally some idea of what appliances I want, but I need to figure out more detail. And now it's like, oh, I downloaded Yale's Guide. My wife and I went down there last weekend and we picked everything out. It was really effective. It was great. But that's just because it's a high intent thing, right? And so conversion is a little easier when you have that high intent conversion path like that. And I want to go back to my example of our blog post. So we had this blog post on how to write a press release. Folks who out here have blogs have similar blog posts, I imagine. And because of that, this blog post was actually originally called something very different. It was originally title differently and like kind of the content that was tied to it was an ebook around the newsworthy guide to inbound public relations, which one is a terrible title for anything, doesn't really make sense. Uh, it's very jargony. And two, is not really aligned with what the content of that article is actually about. And so what we did is we were like, oh well actually people are just searching and reading this blog post because they want a template for their press releases. This is why they're finding this blog post. It's like, hey I'm new, I'm trying to figure out how to write a press release, so you just give me a freaking template. And so we're like, oh, okay, well, we'll just make it really easy for them to download the template in a bunch of ways, which is great. And it turned out that taking simple steps like that increased conversion rates dramatically. And I think that is something that folks don't do enough. When, I talk, when we talk about conversion rates, I think we often think about, oh, I'm sending this email, and I want to make sure my message from my email and my landing page is aligned, and I get a good conversion rate. This is one of those things where we did this blog post years ago. We found out that people had a very certain intent that were coming to it that we actually kind of never originally intended. And because of that, we needed to just update it and switch it around. And if we did that, we got a ton of leverage and got a ton more demand from doing that. And quite frankly, we got that demand because we're giving people what we want. We're giving them the value and, and everything that they want, which was super important. And so that's a little like very lightweight on the conversion side of things. And then I want to talk a little bit about sales, because I think sales and marketing is really the key topic of today. I've been here all morning, and that's the thing that I've heard the most about. And when I think about what salespeople need, they essentially need three things. They need demand. They need some type of leads to work. They need the context around who that person is. Like, who is this person? Why would I actually want to talk to them? Why would they want to hear from me? what do they actually need, what I actually care about, so I can have a meaningful conversation with them. And they need the right resources to provide value, showcase their expertise to their person, to their prospect. And so leads is essentially, we've been talking about leads for the past 20 minutes or so now. When I think about context, I think about how is it that we understand that user behavior. You've got a bunch of great predictive vendors out in the sponsorship hall, and you've got your Matingos and your EverString and folks that are helping you figure out a lot around lead scoring and account identification, which is great. But ultimately, as a marketer and as a salesperson, you want to understand a person's touch points with your business over time. Because even those lead scoring vendors, they're going to tell you, oh, you should pay attention to this person, but you still, as a salesperson, need to dive in and understand that person's motivation and activity with your brand long-term. And then beyond that, you need good resources. And I think what's happened here is there's some really cool examples of awesome bottom-of-the-funnel content. When I think about account-based marketing, I think a lot of account-based marketing is showcasing the brand, but it's also showcasing your real bottom-of-the-funnel resources. And you've got folks from a few examples here. You've got Zendesk who have done a really awesome job on their at-a-glance case studies, testimonials. This is their box.com case study. I really liked the high-level numbers. If you're somebody who's, you know, an account that's coming here from a, maybe a retargeting ad or something like that, you get right to the point really quickly here, which is great. Then you've got a few different examples. You've got Brainshark, who I think, local company, who's done a really nice job with their testimonials page, bringing out some really clear power around the testimonials and the work that they're doing there. So generally, if you put all this stuff together, you can be really successful. Uh, and I think this is the gist of like, kind of how we think about Inbound and how Inbound all fits together and works really well together as one piece. I want to say to you all that I think the market is changing immensely. And the market that we sat in five to 10 years ago is a very different place from today. When I think about 2016, it reminds me a lot of 2006. In 2006, some interesting stuff was happening. You basically had YouTube taken off. Twitter was just getting started, right? I remember 2008 was really the first presidential election where social media and the web really started playing a really pivotal moment. And Facebook was kind of graduating from being a college-only tool to being a mass market tool. And it created a lot. It was technological innovation that created a lot of opportunities for marketers to engage with people in new ways. I think the same thing is happening today. If you I think you're an objective observer of the marketplace, what you see is there's a ton of technological shift. You're seeing artificial intelligence and machine learning really gain in popularity and prevalence and we're starting to get a lot of that stuff figured out in a way that just we couldn't have done a few years ago and that's going to work its way into marketing pretty quickly. The next thing is you've got augmented reality, virtual reality playing a really big role in probably the future. Uh, you've seen Pokemon Go as much as some people in the room probably thinks it's stupid. What it is is the entry point to getting the world okay with augmented reality, getting people comfortable with merging their offline and online experience, and. There's always that breaking point in a technological trend that you kind of point back to. Them, like, oh, that's when it happened. It still took a few years after that, but that's really when it all started, when it all happened. And so for me, this is an incredibly, incredibly exciting time to be a marketer. I think every year I felt like it's the best time to be a marketer. It still holds true because all of this changing landscape is really, really fascinating. We're at a cool spot with a lot of the work that we're doing, it's been around for a few years, and we're starting to get a little comfortable in the marketing that we're executing. I think it's going to change a lot over the next decade. I'm excited to watch it change. And uh, now I'll take any questions that anybody has before. I'm the guy saying between you and lunch, so if you don't have any questions, I won't be offended. I know people are hungry, but if there's any questions, i have to answer them. Hi yes, Chris. sir. Uh, this is Nikhil from MathWorks. I'm a senior product marketing manager. And great awesome. talk. I just had a quick question on your slide where you showed uh, the leads versus the blog posts and yeah. there was a point where the lead inbound leads just shot up. What was the exact reason of so Nine. so that chart, and we can we could go back to it and it'll I think be available after that. It really showed volume of content to leads. And so what normally happens is if as you start doing content marketing, you start creating content You have got a handful of posts. And that really doesn't change anything. Like you're not on Google's radar. They're not crawling your site any faster or anything. And there's not enough content for people to really discover you. It's really once you get over that kind of 50 or 100 posts range, that's when that inflection starts really ticking up. Where basically you've committed to blogging and you've done it regularly for... You know, six months or so, that's when you start seeing that real uptick. And that's really what that chart, even though your effort that whole time, you know, you've been doing a couple posts a week, right? And so, your effort's been flat over that time. You start getting results as you have more content out in the marketplace. Yeah. And I was also curious uh, whether there was any change in the content for your blog posts, which resulted in the increase of your leads Yeah, so uh, there's a couple of things there. One, your your content's always going to evolve, like the new content you're creating. And then there's also going to be revision of like past content, which was kind of the example I I laid. On the search side of things, one of the things I think we fail to do is understand what pages of our core sites or of our blogs are getting a lot of traffic. And maybe it's some page that we've completely ignored and forgotten from like two years ago. And it's like, wow, for some reason, this page is getting a thousand visits a month on this particular keyword. We really should overhaul that page and update that page to be reflective of that demand, of that interest around that topic. And that especially goes with the positioning of your product pages and a bunch of stuff on the product marketing side of things as well. Hi, I have a question. So as more and more millennials are getting into the decision-making positions... How do you think marketing is segmented into like, uh, and I work for IBM, I always have almost two thoughts, right? Like one IBM, which is more traditional marketing and trying to shift into more into new ways of marketing. How do you see this is going to play? Because uh, do you think we would adapt to two methodologies or do you think it's going to converge at some point? Well, I don't think they're going to put up with the shit of the past personally. For me, one of the things I think about here is I look to other places on the globe. Like for me, like Japan, Southeast Asia, Asia in general, has always been a really leading area in terms of adoption of technology and how things are going to work and how social norms are going to kind of shift. You know, they were early in messaging. Line is really big over there. WeChat has done an incredible job over there. What's interesting to me is like we're opening an office in Tokyo and we've had a marketer on the ground there for a while, but we just started hiring salespeople. And our marketer they would get requests for demonstrations of our product. And they wouldn't get them via email. They would get them through Facebook Messenger or Line. And so I think that is what's going to change, is that the buying process you know, is what the buying process is. And it's kind of around your go-to-market. But how the channels in which people want to interact with that are going to change immensely over time. And I think that's what, where millennials are going to drive a lot of this. It's like, hey... This is where I am. I want to just do both personal and business interactions in these things. And that's part of why, you know, I think something like Snapchat has become so popular is because the lack of discoverability, they can kind of have much more control over who they're interacting with, the way they're interacting, and they can have their whole social graph in one place where like maybe in Facebook or Twitter, they're a little bit more fragmented on who they actually interact with there. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hello. Hello. Thank you for the presentation. Thanks. Um, I have a tricky question. I love tricky questions. It's fantastic. I probably won't have a good answer. How do ABM and inbound fit together? And do they? (laughs) It's a good question. So I would make the argument that anybody who you want to sell something to should, one, not hate you and should be attracted in a really inbound way with content, with messaging that is focused on them not self-absorbed from the company's perspective. And I was talking with Sangram and, you know, I think his vision and kind of our thought around that is like, you've got this really awesome inbound demand and you have nurtured them, you understand your product, but there's this period of time where they're, kind of getting connected with your salesperson. They're trying to figure out who else in their company should be involved. And I think that's really where account-based marketing probably best fits in is that kind of handoff between marketing and sales, influencing that process and helping with the velocity of that process.